Hello. Hello. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. Here we are. Here we are. Hello. I learned today because I decided that I wanted to get um, into real estate a little bit, get my license, get to go see people's nice expensive homes. Which can I just say, you graduated this past week and then immediately the weekend after you start taking new classes. I know. I was like, I'm done with school forever. And then I sign up for online classes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> But you don't in Massachusetts have to disclose if your house is haunted or if there's been a murder if, or if someone what? died there. You don't? No. That seems a little wild. That's, right? But what if what if someone asks? Do you have to then say? Yeah, I think you have to disclose. You have to be honest if people ask you. Okay. But you upfront don't have to say anything. That's, I feel like, ugh, that's, I just feel like that's so backwards. Like, And I bet so many people move into haunted houses without knowing and then they're terrified. Right. And stuck Which, with like, that I, house. I get the haunting part because, you know, some people might not even know that their house is haunted because they're the people that might excuse certain small benign things that happen as like, oh, it was the wind or whatever. Right. Maybe they don't even know. But if someone got murdered in your house, wouldn't you want to know? Yes, absolutely. But I think it they kind of go hand in hand, right? If someone was murdered, the fear... They might be haunted. Yeah, kind of. Or at least energy wise right. take some time to clean out that space yeah bad energy i yeah oh i would want to know yeah i, I want to know yeah it doesn't mean Me i wouldn't too. buy the place if i still love it but right but it just means you go in more prepared with right anything that comes like if you Instead were to of lift being up confused for a period of time perhaps you could be like oh this makes sense because of that or like if you didn't know and then you start like, oh, we're going to remodel a little bit, little bit. Let's lift up this carpet and put like fresh hardwood floors. And you lift up the carpet and there's just blood, blood stains everywhere. Can you imagine? Ugh. Or like in those, there are a few stories like true crime stuff where the new people move in and they're cleaning out the vents or something or they lift up the floorboard and they find secret serial killer trophies. Oh my God. What if it was all, what if it took a real big paranormal turn though? And every single time you went to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you go to wash your hands and you turn on the faucet and it's just spouts out this like rusty red blood. It's like it in the movie Mm -hmm. It that happens. Oh my gosh. Yes. Did you see the trailer for the second one? I did. It looks so, so scary. I'm so excited. The little old lady. I know. It's so freaky. It looks so good. I'm really excited. Did I ask you already if you've seen Wine Country? You have not, and I have not yet because Nick and I want to watch it together, so we have not watched it yet. He wants to watch it? Oh, he loves all those actresses. Okay. He's a big yeah, SNL it's funny. fan. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like more of about, I mean, it's about like a female group's friendship together. Okay. Which I love. But it's, I was cracking up. Okay, good. I'm excited to watch it. Uh, so after we think about these scary things, talk about these scary things, if anyone needs a lift a me up. Yeah. Um, another lift me up is Dead to Me. Have you seen that? Uh, no, my boss told me to watch it. She binged it in like a day. It is so good because every episode is like 30 minutes. So it's super easy to binge watch. I just haven't had time to binge watch anything yet. It's probably the same length as watching a movie by the time you're done with it. A movie is an hour and a half. I could watch three episodes of Dead to Me in that amount of time. Okay, but it's so good. I know. I'll get to it eventually. And it's so witty and and it's all like it's all female ca- or it's like all it's written by a female and I just yeah, it's really good. Christina okay. Applegate, Linda Cardellini. It's yeah, just what is Christina? Uh, is this the first thing Christina Applegate's been in in a while? I feel like I haven't seen her for a hot sec. Mm, 
I don't know. I'm not, I don't keep up with her, her career, but I'm sure she's been other stuff. Yeah. Movies. But now she's right at the front. Handmaid's Tale is coming. Everything is coming. (sighs) I know. I'm so excited. Prodigal Son is coming. Yeah. (laughs) You start tomorrow, which by the time this comes out, you'll already finish your first week of, first week of war. Scary. I'm excited, but scared. I've been having the weirdest nightmares. Oh, okay. Well, I've just been. I'm pretty sure ever since Boston, I've had the weirdest sleep experiences in my life. So I've been waking up at 2.55 like every morning, which is spooky. And I posted about it on Twitter and people are like, it doesn't always mean it's a bad thing. Like maybe the good, like you have good guardians coming. And I'm like, well, I'm laying there freaked out. So yeah. (laughs) Um, But then I've been having wild dreams. Like scary or are they stress dreams? They might be stress dreams, but they're scary. They're like people chasing me and me getting kidnapped and stuff like that oh god yeah how are you ever gonna work on this show i feel like (laughs) i'll be your nightmares are only gonna get worse and worse and worse (laughs) but we talk about that stuff all the time i just don't know why it's all happening to me right now maybe your brain is trying to prep you maybe you're trying to be creative (laughs) and think of new ideas in your sleep like the ted like um what's her name playing lily collins like all the victims are coming to me to be tell my story Tell my story. Yeah. Yeah. So creepy. My only request, I already told you, is that you base some sort of character off of me. <laughs> Nick's family keeps saying that too. Well, I should win before they they win. I'll do everyone. Also, and since I... <laughs> you could make us all a family, a killer family. <laughs> since in the Blind Flood episode, I, I made a character named Nick and I um, he died a very painful death being stung to death by poisonous bees and so wait you know that's one of my biggest fears right that's why i refuse to move to texas no i've never heard that why texas there are bees everywhere i know but killer bees are in the southern states and i understand that texas is not the only state that has them but when i was young i watched it was on like animal planet and it was a reenactment of this little three-year-old girl or four-year-old girl who was walking through her yard and got stung by a bunch of killer bees and died in her backyard from them. Hmm. But killer bees aren't actually, they're not trying to kill humans. Did you see what Morgan Freeman was doing? No, what he did. Or what he did? What did he do? He's saving the bees. He has like a 140 acre like land mansion place. <laughs> land mansion? And he um, converted it into a bee sanctuary. Wait, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I wish yeah, I could do that. He said that he goes out and he feeds them. And he doesn't wear any sort of protective gear because he's not trying to harvest their honey or get up in their homes. He's just coming out and providing them with a little extra sustenance. And so they don't mind him at all. I want to see that backyard. Like, does he have tons and tons of flowers and like wildlife? That's so cool. I'm sure. We should all be a little bit more like Morgan Freeman. We should all have $10 million farm mansions. I know. Oh, that's (laughs) my dream. No, but I I think that's an amazing way. And an example of people with money using it for good. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's the bee guy now. The bee guy? Morgan Freeman, the bee guy? Like Bill Nye, the science guy? Yeah, exactly. Which he started a podcast. Did you see that? No, I did not. Is and it Allie, for kids? No, I think it's just about like, um, it's called like Bill Nye, like something at science rules, you know, his infamous line. But Allie Ward was the guest on his very first episode. No way. That makes so much sense. I know. Her podcast is one of the, she has... She's one of the few people where I'm like, why didn't I think of that? That's (laughs) such a good idea. Oh, yeah. And she's so smart. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, how how do you know all this stuff? I know. But her B episode was, I think, my favorite, though. I listened to that before writing my Blind Spot episode. Oh, did you? Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Everyone should go listen to that specific one now. Also, her podcast is called Ologies. It's great. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a lot plugged. Yeah. Okay. So this week, we are talking about haunted hospitals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm first. I believe I am. You are. And you actually talked about this briefly back in, what episode was it? The Haunted Towns episode? Yes. Which I don't know what number that was. And then I reminded you that you could not change your topic (laughs) because- I didn't say anything about it in anticipation of you going into detail about it because it's amazing. Yes. That was – okay, so Haunted Towns was episode 77. I just checked. But I – so I looked this up a while ago when we were going to do the haunted nurses and doctors or ghosts of doctors and nurses. And I found this and I was like, oh, it is so creepy. And I had just read like one little blurb about it and it reminded me exactly of – Waverly Hills Hospital or Asylum and how creepy that place was. And so um, let's talk about Taunton State Hospital, a.k.a. the place where evil is hiding. So it's an abandoned psychiatric hospital that should be added to the places that we will never go to. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, like I said, a lot of Waverly Hills. It has a lot of negative energy and just even doing the research creeped me out. Maybe that's why I'm having so many nightmares because I've been – I researched like five – episodes this week oh my gosh yeah probably (laughs) okay so it was established in 1854 as the state lunatic hospital in at taunton and it was built on hodges avenue in taunton massachusetts do you know how far that is from ukraine like 45 minutes probably okay 30 okay i don't know it all depends with traffic it's like in (laughs) la how far is that oh 10 minutes but actually an hour and a half i know you always have to allow like at least 40 minutes extra yeah so it's opening in 1854 made it the second state asylum in massachusetts and it had great intentions because it was built in this design it's like this famous design that was built that was used in a lot of mental asylums because it was meant to help heal the mentally ill. And basically a lot of, if not all, the cells were exposed to some natural light and had natural air circulation because it was supposed to help with their mental illnesses. Right? Sounds nice. Mm -hmm. And it had over 40 buildings. It had the main psychiatric ward. There were the juvenile facilities, a crisis center, sick wards, group homes. But by 1975, the buildings were kind of hard to keep up. And so by 1975, a lot of these buildings were in disrepair. And then it was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1994. And then there was no plan to restore and protect it. So it was like on this register, but then no one had enough money and the government didn't have enough money to put into it to restore these buildings. So parts of it collapsed in, like the roof of the main building just completely collapsed. Then a lot of them were damaged by fires. And so in 20 or in 2009, the government demolished many of the dangerously dilapidated buildings and shut down the facility in 2012. So there were like, through the years, there were some buildings that stopped being used. And so those ones kind of went into disrepair. And then other buildings were still being used and maintained. Kind of all the facilities were shut down in 2012. And there's only one portion of the hospital that is still active today. It's called a Women's Recover from Addiction Program. And it houses 48 beds. But aside from that, all of the other buildings are abandoned, except for all the ghosts that haunt them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Sounds nice, right? Like it seems like a good facility. But as we know, most, um, if not all, I don't know. I don't want to speak in absolutes. But a lot of asylums in the 1900s didn't have great practices in taking care of their patients. It was a lot of, um, one, I think, misinformation. And two, a lot of people like wanting to advance science and be like, oh, well, let's use these people, these people who can't take care of themselves as test subjects. 
Mm-hmm. But there was also some other um, maybe satanic ritual stuff going on here. So like on top of – add that on top of all the other horrible stuff that's happening in mental yeah. asylums. And let's also add the fact that it's in the Bridgewater kidney bean. It is? Yeah. Oh, that's why you talked about it in the towns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bridgewater <laughs> triangle, which I call the kidney bean. But yeah, it, it goes if, through Taunton. What if the Bridges, uh, the Bridgewater kidney bean started because of all the stuff that was happening in Taunton State Hospital? Oh my god, it very well could have. I know nothing, okay. even though I did a full episode on it. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't know when it started. But so yeah, on paper, it appeared to be this life-saving facility with lots of opportunity and tons of doctors and nurses who would take care of its patients. It wasn't, it didn't appear as one of those understaffed places. Like they had really well-known notorious doctors working there. And unfortunately, as we know, many people were admitted to these hospitals against their own will. A lot of them had no capacity to take care of themselves. And yeah, so like some of the living conditions were pretty terrible just because people didn't really care about the patients. So they were living in their own excrements. They had lack of food and God, it's just so sad. I know. And I feel like every time we talk about this or places like this, it is sad because the conditions were so horrible. And yet Mm -hmm. there are still places and prisons and things like that where it's still very similar and overcrowding is a very real thing. Right. But yeah, so these patients were treated more like inmates than patients. And so many of the patients lived there until they died. And so it's no wonder that it is haunted. And among, this is what is really exciting about it. So among all the thousands of patients, there are some very notable ones, some known for the good that they did and others for the uh, horrible murdering that they did. Oh, okay. So I'll start with the good. One of the patients was the infamous Thomas Hubbard Sumner, and he was an infamous sea captain known for developing the celestial navigation method called the summer line. So basically using the sun to navigate. And he actually is so famous that the crater on the far side of the moon is named after him. What? It's called the Sumner Crater. Isn't that so cool? That's really cool. <laughs> and unfortunately, when he turned 40, his mental state began to decline and he... He, he lost his memory and didn't really have much competence. And so he was admitted into first the, the first hospital in Massachusetts and then moved to Taunton State Hospital where he died 26 years later. And he was great. He's great. He's still seen there sometimes. There's a man in a white hat who's seen walking around who just seems to be like wandering and people think it's him. Mm-hmm. And that's sweet and kind. But now we need to get into a murderer and maybe some serial killers. All right. Okay, so the first one is Anthony Santo, who was an Italian-American serial killer who was active in 1908 and murdered two of his cousins and another girl in a span of three months. So he one day took his two cousins into the woods and struck them both with large rocks. And Good God. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, this is why it's scary. So the first rock killed his cousin James, but it didn't kill his cousin Frank. And so he took out a pocket knife and stabbed Frank to death. And then a few weeks later, a young girl named Louise F. Staula was found in the Charles River, and she was surrounded by 10 fist-sized rocks, five of which were covered in her blood, and they assumed that she had been stoned to death. And no one knows why anthony santo did it but he once he was arrested he claimed to have mad spells and he had no memory of the murders and eventually he was diagnosed as suffering from hallucinations and was admitted into the asylum where he died wow yeah but he wasn't the only serial killer because what 
where there's one serial killer, there's two. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, Pacific Northwest. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> I think it's like, what is it, 50 active serial killers at any given time in the U.S.? What's, what makes a serial killer? It's, is it three or is it four? I think it's two or more in like a certain time span. Oh, I always thought it was numbers-based. Yeah, it is. But it's three or more people what, that take place over a month. Over a month? Over more than a month, sorry. Oh, okay. Woo, I was like, the pressure is on for serial killers. <laughs> I'm sure that there are many who probably do that, though, in a month. All right, three or more. Three or more. Got it. Three or more. Yep. And I feel like 50 is a pretty low number. I feel like there are probably more because there are so many unsolved crimes. Oh, Yeah. It's like you have to, once you link them together, that's why it's so exciting whenever with like DNA and everything too now, Mm -hmm. even before DNA, when there'd be like that one missing piece that linked all of these different cold cases together Mm -hmm. across different state lines and counties. And then you're like, oh my God, it was the same guy. I know. Yeah. Golden State Killer. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want him to like just tell all. Mm -hmm. I hate that there's nothing worse than like serial killers who go to, who get arrested and it's like we have all this evidence on you and then like die without ever having like confessed to it. Yeah. Like, okay, so I was talking to someone about the Ted Bundy movie on Netflix with that, with Zach Efron and how they had never, they don't, they don't know anything about Ted Bundy really. They just watched it because of Zach Efron and she was like, I just, did Ted Bundy really do it? I don't think he did it. And that made me mad because that was my other issue with the movie is like, you have sympathy for him. And it's like, no, but he Wait did do second. it. a second. Someone questioned whether Ted Bundy did it or not? Well, they don't, they're not as well versed with serial killers and Ted Bundy. I guess like if that are. was the only movie and the only thing they ever yeah. saw on him, perhaps. Yeah. But if you just take two minutes to read anything else. I know, but, like, the movie really paints him as somewhat sympathetic. Like, you only see him, like, get angry and, like, violent, like, twice. Yeah, that's true. Because in Lily Collins' character, I forget, mm-hmm. what what's the woman's name? Liz. Liz. So in real life, Liz saw a lot more anger from him, and he even tried to kill her one time. Yeah, so you don't see that in that movie. So I was... No, you don't. Mad. Right. But anyway, so a serial killer who was at Taunton State Hospital, who actually admitted to everything, her name is um her i know her. it's a lady killer isn't that lady exciting killer. i mean not exciting sorry bad it's bad but <laughs> it's bad. we don't get to hear about them that frequently so it's mm-hmm. exciting when you hear it right her birth name was honora kelly but she later changed it to jane topan but she's also known by her nickname jolly jane jolly jane which is interesting because she was not so jolly and was it an ironic nickname no she was given it because like people she actually seemed really pleasant and jolly, and her coworkers were like, "Oh, you're so nice, Jane. We'll call you Jolly Jane." I would be like, "Never call me that again," because it makes me feel like an overweight man <laughs> who climbs down chimneys and eats cookies. Just kidding, I love Santa. But if you're a He's serial killer and everyone's like, "Oh my God, you're so nice and great, Jolly. Your name's Jolly Jane." It's kind of like, "Oh my God, I'm just getting under the radar, and no one knows, no one suspects me." Yeah, play it up be extra jolly yeah but so jane was born or honora whatever her name was when she was born into um some very unfortunate circumstances her mother died of tb when jane was very young and then her father was like an alcoholic and he must have had some mental illnesses because people called him basically they called him loony and he would wander the town really drunk and he'd like shout and yell about nonsensical things and Mm. he 
would also abuse Jane and her sister Delia. And eventually he was just like, I don't want anything to do with you kids and drops them off at the front door of the Boston Female Asylum, which is an orphanage for female children. And he never saw them again. Like he just didn't, like he left them there at the front door and was like, bye, peace out. Wow. And apparently their dad eventually sewed his own eyelids shut while at work. Is the grossest thing I've ever heard. Yes. It's very Franz Kafka. Like that reminds me of a Franz Kafka story. He himself sewed them shut sitting yeah. there at work. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, he definitely had something going on. Yeah. There's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Jane is six years old, she, her and her sister, Delia are at this orphanage and it's believed that her and her sister became involved with sex working like they probably were forced into it in some aspect and then and they're so young six years old that's so young and over time apparently jane then got a job at she was like an indentured servant for this very wealthy family called the topan family and these this family treated her really well like they almost treated her like their own daughter and that's where she then changed her name to jane topan because she felt like they were her parents Mm-hmm. And she got along really well with her, the Topon daughter who was like about her same age. And she kind of, you know, like things were getting better and looking better for her life, but the family would never really adopt her. It was like, you're still our servant, but we also want to treat you like our daughter. Wow. And so at this point, her life kind of seems to be changing directions. She then, she then goes to train to be a nurse at Cambridge Hospital. And it's there that she gets the name Nick the nickname Jolly Jane because she was so upbeat. She had a positive attitude. She loved coming into work. She was so friendly. She talked to all of her coworkers, but obviously it was all an act because Jane hadn't really changed. She just wanted to learn how to acclimate and present herself as the woman people expected her to be. And then she was a nurse with access to medical equipment and supplies and patients. Oh God. Oh no. (laughs) She was an angel of death. Yes, but not, yeah, but like angel of death is almost implying that like they see someone dying and they feel like they're doing an act of service by killing them. Jane would pick her patients, like like pick her favorite patients, and then she would run tests on them. Like she would, she would overdose them on morphine and atropine and change up their medication doses to see how it affected their nervous systems and then watch the life fade out of them and then lay in bed with them and then like hold them as they died. Yeah. That's weird. It's almost like a bit of, like, it reminds me almost of, like, Munchausen's. Right. Because it's, like, the desire to look like the caretaker, but instead of, it's missing that aspect of helping them get better. It's just, yeah. I mean, That would be by proxy, right? Because that's, you're putting it on someone else to make, because it's, like, sharp objects. I don't know the difference between Munchausen's and, or the different types. I thought Munchausen's is when it's, you make yourself sick to get attention, and then by proxy is when you do it to someone else. Anyway, You're probably right. Someone else tell us. So yeah, so she picks her favorite patients and she starts making these fake charts and she would, you know, her, she would get in bed with these patients. And it's similar to the story of Dr. Death, that podcast of like Jane's patients. So many of her patients were dying and yet no one really did anything. And she switched hospitals and then she went back to this hospital. And then it's kind of like this trail of bodies is following behind her and yet no one is stopping her. Mm-hmm. And she eventually started working as a private nurse and she killed a bunch of people, but then she got caught for stealing from one of her patients and got fired from that job. And then people started to piece together, oh my gosh, like all these people that she was a private nurse for are are like dead. What's happening here? And then she, because she's no longer a nurse, is like, I need to find new 
victims. And so she goes into a or on a poisoning spree in in 1895. She kills her landlord and her landlord's wife. She killed her foster sister, her foster aunt, foster uncle, her uncle's sister, and two of his daughters. And it's like you thought like, especially because those are the people who changed her life and gave her more opportunities and like kind of took her in as their daughter. And mm-hmm. then she goes and kills them all. So clearly like she was like, she had so much resentment against them for not. Or is there just a lack of any feeling or empathy or emotion? And so it doesn't matter if it was someone who raised her right. or someone who was randomly walking into the CVS next door. Like maybe there's just nothing there. And so there is no distinction. Probably. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I've never met her and I don't want to. Um, oh, and she even. Okay. So this is Munchausen's too because she would poison herself on occasion to get empathy from men who were like courting her or like would you know it's kind of like if a guy hits you up on bumble and then he like ghosts you and stops like responding to you and then you poison yourself and say i'm dying i need someone and you force them to come help you something similar just happened it was in the news a guy faked his own kidnapping and had his neighbors take pictures of him all like tied up and no way it's like he was in like a basement getting threatened he was tied up he was like wet he looked scared where and was he did this? it to get the sympathy from his ex-girlfriend the cops where? found him in like a day where in the world did this take place the united states Right, but where? <laughs> I don't know. It was a Snapchat story. I didn't pay that much attention. That is wild. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess Jane is... There are many Janes out there in the world. Yeah. So it's not until October 29th, 1901 that Jane's arrested, and a year later she confesses to killing at least 31 people, and she was then kind of made the... like, Or like she was given this title of the woman who or the person who killed more helpless people than any other man or woman who had ever lived. Wow. Her crimes were so unbelievably grotesque and violent that everyone was convinced that there was no way a woman would do such a thing unless mentally ill. And Jane's like, no, I knew what I was doing and I liked it. And I like to fondle my victims as they died. And I like to see their inner workings of their souls through their eyes and see it slip out of them. And it gives me sexual thrill. But that's... Yeah, and and I mean, she says this in court. At least she's self-aware. Yes, but she says this in court and the, they still declare her insane and commit her to Taunton Insane Asylum for life. There's some like reverse sexism right there. Right. You're a woman. You couldn't do this. <laughs> you couldn't possibly do yeah. this. Yeah. So so she goes to Taunton State Asylum for life rather than to prison. Um, and then there's one other well-known inmate of Taunton State Hospital and uh, – you may know her, Corinne, because she she gave her mom 40 wax. I was just about to say, Lizzie Borden. <laughs> yes, Lizzie Borden. Who else could it be? It's Lizzie. Another infamous female killer from Massachusetts, Lizzie, Lizzie Borden. Borden. And yep, Lizzie Borden. She she was never admitted into the psychiatric ward, but like I said, the, the facility had all these different buildings. They even had like a holding jail for, for people going through trials. And so she was held in that part of the jail during her trial. And so, yeah, the patients are scary, but also some of the inner workings and day-to-day activity inside the hospital done by the nurses and doctors could have been, if not were, even worse. And it is said that some of the doctors and nurses would remove patients from the rooms for a so-called procedure and then would take said patient down to the depths of the building, down to the basement, and then would sacrifice 
that patient in satanic rituals, and there are documented reports that say that Satan himself would appear and visit the hospital. Like, there are doctors and nurses who perform these rituals and then would, like, kind of in, like, a weird ritualistic documentation kind of, like, dark magic way of writing down like today we sacrificed and it would be like a patient x or like their own identifier so like you wouldn't say the name and it wouldn't be the same file number as it is in the hospital and satan appeared and it'd be like documented like that and not all of it's been found but there have been some documents like that that's so wild yeah and it makes me wonder are they just doctors and nurses that have gone bad like that they always intended to go through medical school and nursing school and physician assistant school or whatever With the intention of saving lives and helping people and being there for people. And then just something happened where they suddenly decided to sacrifice people and do everything against what they had, what you're intended to do. I don't know. Or do you think that these people sought out that profession knowing that they would have easy access to sacrifices to or for whatever they owed to the devil i mean probably a mix of things but then i also just in this circumstance it sounds like there are multiple nurses and multiple doctors doing this so how do they find each other was there a weird beginning of a cult like there was one doctor who went to school for that purpose wanted to do bad and practiced satanism the dark side of it i know there are people who practice it in and it's a fine religion but there are it's been abused and it's a darker version too and then they join this hospital and then they recruit people to join them who knows i don't know mm-hmm. because yeah like i'm just imagining like on the lunch room bulletin board join our satanic cult like <laughs> down in the basement at 5 p.m bring patient x seriously i mean if they had that many people from the hospital right. it kind of sounds like maybe that's how it was yeah But so you can argue it's just legend and like, you know, it's one of those things that has been spread all over that area and lots of Massachusetts. But there are documented records where patients violently refuse going down to the basement. And when refusing, they were then violently punished. And those are in medical records because the patients themselves probably knew that if they're going for a procedure that they weren't told for they knew that they were going down to the basement and they knew that other people who went down to the basement never came back yeah and a lot of the victims or a lot of the patients because the the facility closed so a lot of patients actually like died there and then when it closed Mm -hmm. people were moved but there are a lot of patients who are not accounted for, never left the facility, and never on record died at the facility. So where did they go? They were in the walls. Oh, my God. <laughs> what was the right answer? Well, that no one knows. But they're, they're, they were dead. They were, they were sacrificed. Some, some, there are like some un, unmarked graves throughout the land. And no one's really taken the time to dig them up. But they believe that the nurses and doctors who were partaking in this buried the victims throughout the property. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. There were also other staff members who did not partake and had no knowledge of the rituals who – there was one man who attempted to go down to the basement just for business purposes. And actually, there were multiple staff members who this happened to, but there are a few that like were very – have been talked about often. So they'd go down to the basement to get, I don't know, medicine, medical supplies – or whatever was stored in the basement. And when they reached the bottom of the stairs, they felt themselves unable to move as if there was a wall in front of them, but there was 
nothing there. So something was physically blocking them from going down into the basement. That's so creepy. Mm -hmm. That's so creepy. I know. And there's one man who was an interning psychiatrist who experienced it for himself. And he hit the so-called wall and was struck with horrible pain and sadness. It was so intense and emotional that he, when he went back upstairs and was able to go back upstairs, he quit. Seriously? And he had... Oh, man. Yeah. And he was struck with like horrible nightmares and even talking about it today brings back all those feelings and and visions that he got when he hit the wall another staff member hit the wall and again had these crazy visions hit him and he saw like a vision of what happened and what was taking place in the basement he he could smell smoke he could hear a drum beating he could hear chanting in like a language he couldn't understand and he saw like all these candles and he was horrified and so he takes a step backward from this invisible wall and starts going up, back up the stairs, and the visions recede. And then every night after that, he kept having nightmares and visions of what was happening in the basement. Whoa. Yeah. Other staff members would go down to the basement and see very strange markings all over the basement walls. And they'd request to have them removed. And they would. And then the next week or night or where, however long of time, they'd go back down. And the markings would be back. That's so scary. Yeah. And so the rumors of this satanic cult spread and they were like this operates in the in the basement of taunton hospital and kind of soon after the rumors begin the governor of massachusetts ordered that the facility be closed for good and there's no official reason stated in any of the documents of why they closed it but people believe that maybe it's because of the of all these rituals that were happening in the basement and there was no other way to stop it and no one wanted and the governor didn't want people to panic and like reveal this weird cult happenings and mm-hmm. so they just closed it and people also think that satan continues to visit the hospital and that once he was contacted a portal opened up in the bi- in the basement of taunton state hospital and his presence along with many other dark entities actively haunt the buildings so regardless of the time of year the building is always bone chilling cold even in the summer and you know boston summers are humid and hot and sticky or Massachusetts yeah, summers. it's like 90 degrees and sweaty. Yeah. And there's a terrifying shadow figure who appears in the abandoned hospital. But he's actually been around since oh. the hospital, like even when the hospital was active. And there were patients who would awake to, dark, to a dark mass that looked like a faceless man standing in the corner staring at them. And all of a sudden, the figure would then transport to the wall and begin crawling at inhuman speed towards them. And it's also been seen crawling all over the walls and the ceiling. So like similar to the creeper, kind of like crawling upside down on the ceiling Mm -hmm. and moves insanely fast. It can transform his shape within minutes or no, within seconds. He can stretch to be as wide as the hallway. So maybe that is what the wall was when people were. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Which is terrifying because it was like so stretched out that what if you looked up? Because it felt like it was a wall, but it was invisible. Like what if you looked up a little bit and there were just like these two eyes at the top of the ceiling staring at you? Ooh, ooh, ooh. God. And he can also stretch as tall, so like wide and tall as the ceiling. No one can see his face, but many of the patients reported seeing it, it, him, whatever it is, standing in the corners late at night watching them. And again, like this is documented. It's on these patient records, but obviously they're in a mental asylum, so no one believes them. And everyone thinks that they're just seeing things or... Mm-hmm. What be it? But the nurses and doctors that are practicing, they're like, Satan's here. And I wonder, oh, I wonder if the doctors and nurses picked people depending on who saw the shadow person. Like it was Satan picking oh their victims. God. Yeah. If it appears to you, you die. And then like the, the next morning, the 
patient would complain about the shadow that they that was staring at them and the nurse and doctor would be like "Mm, will you come down to the basement with me what if the shadow person was actually the demon yeah or like the version of satan that they were yeah worshiping yeah that's what i mean like and like what if it was all a threat what if they felt like they had to do it because uh, the shadow person was threatening them all saying that they would take their lives and everyone in the hospitals if they didn't keep up a frequent sacrifice then sacrifice yourself don't take other people yeah anyway it's the whole do you push one person in front of the train to save 10 do you let it hit the 10 or do you sacrifice yourself what do you do i hate that i hate that so much I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I hope I never have to be in that situation. Because isn't sacrificing yourself not an option? Yeah, usually it's not. Because everyone would say themselves, but who would actually do right. themselves? Right. Probably not nearly as many people as those who right. say, oh, I would definitely sacrifice myself. Well, what if we're Spider-Man and we can save both with our webs? What if we're cats and we have nine lives? <laughs> oh, that's a very nice statement that you just said, Corinne. <laughs> Something I'd never hear you say. I never imagined I'd hear you say. Um, okay, so Yeah. Um, so yeah, so a lot of people do say that the shadow is the devil or it's someone doing the work of the devil and looking for new victims to be sacrificed. And there's one staff member who worked at the hospital while it was still open. Her name was Jackie. Is Jackie? She's still alive. She saw a fog in the basement and left soon after. And she was like, everyone told me it was my imagination. They said it was an old place that the people, and then that the, she said the people that actually worked there, you know, worked for a living and they all said it was a ghost or something. But I saw that smoky man down there twice and the second time I just quit. It wasn't worth it. And she says that the smoky man was a little over five feet tall and consisted of dark, solid haze in the form of a person. She was never able to see it dead on, but both times she saw it, it dashed in front of her as she moved along the floor. Hmm. So she was just like, I am not, I am not doing this anymore. I'm out. Yeah. Which, and she's not the only one. But yeah, it's interesting how many people would quit after seeing or experiencing something with this dark shadow figure. Like clearly it was so intense that people Mm -hmm. refused to work there. And that was their livelihood. Well, because that's so threatening. And I'm sure like through the grapevine, through the gossip of all the work gossip, Mm -hmm. people probably heard all these stories like, oh, if you see see the shadow person, something bad's going to happen or they're going to manipulate you and – all of a sudden, you're going to go crazy and kill people. And so maybe it is tempting to quit as soon as you see that. Like, no, I'm out. Yeah. I don't want any of that. And if there are these if, rumors happening. Yeah, if there are rumors of, like, people being sacrificed at your hospital, too, yeah, I'd be out. So right. a lot of people have been physically pushed, touched, and scratched while in the building. Many have heard voices telling them to leave which is probably the victims, right? Like, get out of here. Save yourself. Um, right. And then it means leave. Yeah. Like, get out. You should probably yeah. leave. Listen to them. <laughs> uh, there are many people who lived and grew up in Taunton that remember seeing, hearing, and feeling odd things whenever they would go near the hospital grounds, and no one could explain what they were experiencing. Some would say it's ghosts, and some said, no, it's just residual energy of the pain, which kind of is a paranormal um, belief, and that there were so many terrors that the energy there was just off. There have been spirits seen walking outside of the building. A lot of them are seen as mist or dark clouds. There are reports of an elderly man crouching and stroking the grass, and he wears simple clothes like jeans and a dark shirt, so people think he's a former employee, maybe the groundskeeper. 
of yeah i was just thinking if he's crouching down stroking the grass he's like ugh, do i need to cut this now how long is it i just like i like the the verb verbiage is stroking the grass because i just imagine him like stroking and then like rubbing his face in it like "Mm, i love this grass i love this grass this is the best grass um and a lot of other people will see patient type looking ghosts of people wearing like pants and white shirts and oh also the uh groundskeeper man a lot of people will like approach him because he looks like a real person and he'll smile and then just disappear and there are also within the building there are screams heard from the areas where electric shock shock treatments took place and residents have had their so when residents were actually in the building their lights would turn on and off in the middle of the night and the abandoned or burnt down sections of the buildings have rooms that light up in the middle of the night even though there are no working lights in the building uh yeah mm-hmm. some of that's terrifying oh can you imagine if you were trespassing and you were going you were an urban explorer mm-hmm. and you were going through taunton state hospital and then you just see the light turn on a few rooms down from where you're standing and the lights don't actually work in that building that's oh my god i would shit myself I'd back myself into a corner and just hyperventilate until the sun came up. And then up. a shadow taps you on the shoulder and you turn around and it's stretched. And I'll say, okay, you're here. All right. I'm ready to go. I was looking for you everywhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. That sounds terrifying. Um, Grab the car. Uh, there are also people have heard or have seen small children and disheveled adults peering down at them uh, from a pa- from like up in the windows where people no longer are and they're all abandoned buildings and it's during the day as well as well as during the night so yeah maybe you could assume it's people trespassing but people i doubt would trespass with like young kids or young kids like tiny toddlers by themselves so ghosts yeah but the teens might trespass definitely definitely but like it's like young kids you know so the property around the hospital is also very haunted and so when people go to visit the abandoned buildings at late at night they hear moans and cries for help they hear unexplained banging and they've seen strange lights and orbs as well as icy cold drafts and they always feel like people are watching them as if like eyes are on them especially from within the woods and ooh, ooh, what yeah. why because that's what the fuck is in the woods? That how it god goes? damn it i'm so scared of this place <laughs> Well, it's also it's also very very hard to actually get onto the abandoned property now because they have like this really tall fence. But obviously, you know, mm-hmm. some people still do. But there's a story of when the hospital was still active of a patient who attempted to escape the hospital and he climbed through his window and he began to run and all the nurses and doctors start chasing after him and he doesn't know where to go and he sees a cemetery so he runs there and he sits behind a tom- tombstone and he's crouched there and he's like shaking, he's like kind of peering over looking to see where the nurses and doctors are listening for them and his breath is really heavy and all of a sudden something grabs onto his shoulder and he freaks out he thinks that he's been caught he thinks that a doctor or nurse found him so he looks behind him and no one's there oh god and so he is starting his eyes left and right doesn't know which way to go and he hears a voice whisper in his ear leave and he was so terrified that he ran back to the hospital and turned himself in yeah. which is like what why why would you turn back it's clearly this ghost is telling you to leave get out because you don't want to end up like him in a grave that no one knows you're dead right but in the moment you're probably so scared that you're like i just need to be by other I living know, humans I know. and then so this guy he turns himself in and then the next morning he woke up and had a horrible bruise on his shoulder where he felt the grip on his shoulder in the cemetery oh so it was a very strong grip. yeah yeah and so yes a lot of bad things happened in this hospital but i will leave you with one nicer sweeter tidbit 
So in the later years, closer to its closure, the hospital would host dances every Friday night where people in the community could go and dance with the patients. Isn't that really sweet? That's really sweet. And there are a lot of patients who who did spend their time in that hospital and are now either elsewhere or living in in the community who've said that they view their time in the hospital as life-changing and very positive. And so it went from bad to good. Correct. The evolution of Taunton State Hospital was a positive one. And so today, most of the abandoned sites are monitored by motion-centered cameras and protected by a 15-foot fence. And the police are diligent in chasing down intruders. And there are many people who have been caught by the police. But there are also a few who have made it past the security measures and have taken tons of beautiful – like, it is, like, hauntingly beautiful in there. So – because there's so much left from the hospital. And Mm so – There are a bunch of photos on abandonedamerica.us slash Taunton State Hospital if people want to look it up. And one last thing is that before the government decided to to destroy some of the kind of lesser well-kept buildings, they decided to sell off the still usable pieces, which have have now been incorporated to many other buildings all over the U.S., So I wonder if those buildings are now haunted and it would be cool to figure out where those materials went and if those buildings yeah where they're where they've been repurposed Mm -hmm. but that also sounds like a lot of work to figure it out (laughs) so someone else do it out there if that sounds interesting to you (laughs) do the research let us know share your findings Mm -hmm. but that is taunton state hospital in taunton massachusetts good god it's the scariest place in the world yeah i mean waverly hills still has i think still is number one on our list of things that we shouldn't do or go to but yeah. This place is pretty Taunton scary. Taunton Hospital is number two. But Taunton is off limits, so that's good. Waverly Hill, people go and spend the night in. Yeah. <laughs> Not, Not us. Not us. No, thank you. No, thank you. And they have a – I mean, both of them have creepy shadow people, so yeah. I'd rather avoid that. All right. What did you choose? We are going to Asia. Oh. For mine. I love Asia. I've got to go there. I talk about it enough. Never been. I've been to Thailand, but I did my 23andMe, and I am almost 40% South Asian because my grandpa and grandma were born in India, my dad was born in Pakistan, and I need to go. I need to get in touch with my roots. I know. You're Asian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not Asian. One drop of me is not Asian, but I still love Asia so much. Yeah. So want to go it's beautiful and we are going to focus on the old changi hospital in changi singapore Ooh. the changi hospital was founded in 1935 and was actually built by the british government and the british has a large military base in the area and they built many things to accommodate all of their large numbers of british people that they had living there and during world war ii the japanese occupied singapore and the changi hospital was then used as a military hospital and for some of that time It was actually a major prisoner of war camp used for the Japanese military police called the Kempai Tai, which acted as both military and also as secret police. And it was not good news for you if you if the Kempai Tai were around because these people were said or have the reputation of being pretty vicious. They had connections with criminals And they themselves actually ran a pretty expensive network of criminals. So they were kind of crooked. Mm. They would extort money from people. They would take people prisoner and abuse them horribly. That's not good. And they were also known for their revenge attacks. What? What does that mean? I think like eye for an eye type of thing. Ugh. Yeah. So the Kempai Tai used the Changi Hospital to torture people, 
which is never good and mm-hmm. never good for the energy left in the space after. No. And there was one particular room in the hospital which is believed to have been the main torture location. There were thick chains and oddly shaped concrete stubs. So I guess to like maybe hook people up or tie people up in certain ways. Oh, I don't want to think about it. Yikes. But the windows in this room were too small to escape from. So more likely than not, this was the main torture chamber area. And the statistics show that there were more than 50,000 prisoners who were kept in the hospital. And any person who was thought to even be remotely anti-Japanese were thrown in there and they were tortured. Whoa. They were... And this is a trigger warning, the next 10 seconds of me talking. Some of the torture included being decapitated, which isn't torture, that's just murder, um, being sexually assaulted, being dismembered, and very few people survived this. No. It's awful, awful. And then in 1965, Singapore gained their independence and the hospital turned into a hospital for servicemen from the UK, New Zealand, and Australia. And that group was nicknamed, I'm going to mess it up. It's like Onzuk, A-U-N-Z-U-K. You know, like Australia, New Zealand. the combination. Could you imagine being a patient in that hospital after everything that has happened there? No. Google, everyone should Google their hospitals that they go to. (laughs) Google your local hospital. I feel like a lot of hospitals are haunted though, but not because of the torture. Just, yeah, the amount of death and sadness and grief that happens there and illnesses. But for this Changi hospital, the name of the hospital and the parties in control changed a bunch more. And so the hospital eventually closed in 1997. And in the beginning, there were security guards and dogs who were guarding the grounds, keeping the abandoned building from being trespassed on and people going in. But it didn't last long because the building is now empty, it's abandoned, and no one else is there to guard it, to keep people from entering the hospital. And in 2006, there were plans to turn it into apartments no it's like the old salem jail it's like so many places so many haunted places being turned into apartments right but it fell through so that's okay no one's living there that's good holy crap those better be cheap ass apartments Mm, i bet they would have been really expensive yeah because they'd be all new and renovated no one would ever think to look up the history of the actual Mm -hmm. building yep and before you go looking for this hospital before you decide to jump the fence and be an urban explorer and go in and take pictures and see if you can find any ghosts, Mm -hmm. just know they do have, while they don't have dogs and security men or people, uh, they have security security cameras. What? Security men. People, women, security (laughs) No, I just like the way you said it. (laughs) Security. I should have just said security. (laughs) God. Okay. Well, they have security cameras and they're posted all around. So I don't think you'd make it very long if you did try to hop the fence. But who knows? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're fake cameras. I'm not encouraging people, though. But if you do get past the security cameras, you might be wishing that security did catch you (laughs) before the ghosts do. Yikes. Because, of course, there are many tortured souls of the people who were brutally attacked by the Kenpai Tai. And these souls, these people are said to remain in the prison along with spirits who also passed away in the hospital. And the most haunted spots in the hospital are thought to be the old mortuary, the accident and emergency building, the theater, which I don't really know what that's about, Mm -hmm. uh, and the resort down the road from the main hospital called Aloha Changi, or Aloha Changi Resort. Oh. Which sounds nice. It does sound really nice. But apparently it's haunted. Mm. (laughs) 
And after the Kenpai Tai era, when the hospital returned to serving people rather than murdering them, soldiers reported that they'd feel off in the hospital. They, they felt just different. They didn't feel like themselves. And they said that they would wake up with extreme feelings of dread. And doctors also felt uncomfortable. And in the space, people were often reporting that they were feeling as though they were being pushed oh. or they were seeing unseen forces. There were disembodied voices that were... That could be heard. There were shadows seen oh. darting around the corners of the room, which is so creepy. That's so creepy. And people spending the night in the hospital would often wake up because they felt like they were being watched, only to find no one was in their room. Don't like that. Nope. And sometimes patients would wake up having just had a nightmare that they were being tortured by men in uniforms. So I wonder if it's like the souls of the people, the Kenpai Tai that actually did torture, like if they're continuing. Oh, right. Or if it's kind of like what Lily Collins was saying with Ted Bundy, that she felt like the victims were coming and showing what happened to them. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. Still scary, regardless of what it is. So scary. There's also an apparition of a woman who's surrounded by a black aura, and she's been spotted multiple times. I wonder what her deal is. I don't know. But I think black, when you read people's auras, I think that means like extreme illness or, or death. I could be talking on my butt right now. <laughs> but I wonder if it means that she is something dark or if it means that she maybe passed away from illness mm. or passed away suddenly or Interesting. something. I don't know. I don't know. Or wherever anything. she goes, people pass away. Yeah, I don't know much about auras. That's a, I would love Me to neither. get mine read. I've been told three separate people who don't know each other at all have come up to me and said that my aura is light purple. Interesting. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Should probably look it up. Yeah. But it's been consistent and it's been throughout like seven years. I've had people like the first person was probably seven years ago. Whoa. And the oh, last person I'll tell you was probably like a year and a half ago. I just Googled it. It means creativity, ideas, and enlightenment. Having an aura this color can indicate all of these things, as well as healing, cleansing, and soothing of the soul. If your aura is purple, you may find this says a great deal about your spiritual, emotional, and physical being. I will have to read more about it, yeah. because obviously that's my aura color. Three separate people in different states have told me that. Yep. And you'll have to get yours red, too. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Maybe in Nashville, yeah. we'll find a place. I know. I didn't go to like an official place. They were just random people. Hmm. So if any random people see us, they can read <laughs> Tell us. Tell us. <laughs> okay. So once the hospital was officially abandoned for good, the paranormal activity only increased. So that's a given. So like mm -hmm. now it's abandoned. But before, in between it being this horrible torture location and it being a hospital that actually tried to serve people and make them better, all of these different types of people came in and obviously imprinted their energy onto the space and there's plenty of souls i'm sure still hanging around mm, yeah so now that they have no one else walking around bothering them they've become extremely active what once was a whisper or a word that people would hear has now become a scream reverberating down the empty halls <gasps> oh and people nearby the hospital or or illegally exploring the grounds have also seen full-bodied apparitions of people covered in blood. Oh, my God. So it's like the sounds and the images have just become more and more intense. You're kidding. No, I'm not. I hate that so much. There's it's also so heartbreaking, video. but also terrifying. Yeah. Imagine seeing that. No, no. 
And we're like, people used to hear like words or like whispers and be like, oh, what's that? But now it's just a full on like blood curdling scream coming from the building. (sighs) There's a video online of what's believed to be a captured apparition. And the video was taken by someone who was exploring the halls and they zoom in on the open halls across the courtyard. So it's like Mm -hmm. a big courtyard and the whole center's empty. So you can see from like one window into the, the next window, like 30 yards away from you. Wow. And the videographer scans across the building and then suddenly a blurry apparition appears. And it actually looks, I replayed it over and over and over again. And it kind of looks like a female nurse carrying something in her hands. So maybe, maybe a baby. Oh, that's cute. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, this video is real because it is one of the videos that has not been disproved yet. No one's been able to debunk this video. Oh, I like that. That's fun. Yes. But one one of the creepiest things to happen in this hospital happens at night. As they always do. Yes. The sun leaves and so does your safety. So often there are paranormal investigative groups that will go in and they will enter the hospital searching for ghosts and walking around the grounds. And often one of the investigators will be separated or they'll go missing for a little bit. And the separated person always reports the same exact thing happening to them. They thought that they were following a fellow investigator to a remote part of the hospital, but as they go further and further from the main group, they notice that the person who they had been following no longer looks like their team member. And it's someone else now. An apparition who turns and tells them, you don't belong here. It's dangerous. Please leave and do not come back. Okay, that's that's a good warning. Get out. Yeah. And then the spirit just vanishes. Okay. Well, it's scary, but you need... I'm glad that the spirits are doing that to try to protect people. Yeah, because it's like a fake doppelganger. It's like it takes on the appearance of something else to lure you away mm-hmm. and scare you enough and make you vulnerable enough that maybe you will leave. Yeah. Ooh. I understand the tactic. Yeah. But that is one of the many reasons that you should leave all the ghosts at Changi Hospital alone. And if you're still itching to go see the place, perhaps you can settle for the second best. <laughs> Universal Studios Singapore has created a replica of the hospital. And so maybe you can just go there instead. You can go inside of it at Universal? Yeah, I think so. That's really cool. And it's probably not haunted. Oh, I bet I bet on Halloween, though, like if they do horror nights, it's <sighs> spooky. So spooky. So fun. I freaking love horror nights. I know. Me too. I love all of Halloween. All of the events to happen in the month of October. Mm-hmm. Me too. Everything. Even even leading up to it. Even starting now. Hey, th- this is why we have a podcast all about ghosts. I know. I was thinking about it today and I was like, what if we took – like I know some podcasts do it where they take a break and I was thinking like what if we took a summer break or like did something like that and I'm like, but spooky season – is year round <laughs> and it doesn't stop places just because it's not halloween time doesn't mean that places aren't haunted yeah af yeah and everyone needs to know that ghosts are always here not just in halloween time no not just when you're in the mood to get spooked yeah i'm in the mood to get spooked they'll find you when you're least expecting it yes they'll find you they'll find you and they'll see you while you're sleeping i mean santa's kind of a ghost right because he's so old. Santa's pretty much the ghost. And he can go through walls and get into your home and give you gifts. Ghost. He can suck his his cookie-filled, milk-filled belly through skinny little chimneys. Mm-hmm. And he's so light on his feet. He's got some paranormal abilities, supernatural abilities, I'm telling you. Maybe Santa's a ghost. He might be. But he's a good ghost. We like yeah, him. He's a great ghost. He's probably not going to visit us this year because he's pissed that we called him a ghost. <laughs> All right, I got a story Okay, that... Isn't totally about a hospital, but a hospital is in the story. This is from Savannah. 
And she says, hi, Corinne and Sabrina, Savannah here. Ever since I was young, I have been so fascinated with the other side, as my fourth grade teacher loved to tell ghost stories. I had never had anything happen to me personally up to that point, but I loved the feeling of being scared indirectly, just as I am when listening to this podcast. It wasn't until I moved into this one house in seventh grade that I truly understood the feeling of being haunted by a spirit and or spirits. This story is not about any of my experiences in that house, though. The story I'm about to tell is a little more sinister and creepy and doesn't involve me directly. Names have been changed for privacy reasons. So after we moved out of that house for reasons I will provide in a separate email, we moved in with my uncle Mark, who had married a woman named Catherine. Strange things used to happen in that house too, and I always felt like whatever spirit was in the haunted house before had followed me around and it was the same energy. My aunt Catherine had a nephew, Joey, who we used to hang out with a lot because we were close in age. To cut the story short, Joey was essentially a cousin and he never came across as weird. Fast forward 12 years later and my uncle Mark and Catherine divorced and we hadn't talked to Joey in a long time, probably about 10 years. About a year ago, Catherine's daughter shared a Facebook post saying that her cousin Joey had been missing and he was last seen in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mind you, we live in Las Vegas. Their family said he wasn't acting strange before at all and had a hard time believing that he just ran off. Search and rescue found Joey floating on the Rio Grande River nearly dead about two weeks later, and they were guessing it was an attempted suicide. He was obviously emaciated by that point and nearly unrecognizable, one of the reasons being that he had been tearing away the parts of his body that were tattooed as if to try to take off anything that could identify him. That's so scary. What was astonishing to the police was that they found it to be a miracle that he had not been eaten by the alligators in that river for two weeks and that he must have had angels watching over him. Upon arriving at the hospital and his family flying to him, he would not say a word to his mother and they described it as if he was lifeless and expressionless. Instead, he turned to his mom and said, I want to talk to Aunt Catherine alone. Wait, wait, he didn't die? No, he he's living but he's on the verge of death he was alive for two weeks oh my god that is crazy yeah he turned to his mom and said i want to talk to aunt Catherine alone his mom came out of the room to tell her and Catherine felt really weird about it she went into the room and asked how he was feeling and the conversation went something like this joey i don't want to talk about me i want to talk about you and mark he is evil Catherine, why would you say that joey Mark has always been nice to you and taken care of you since you were a kid. Joey, someone attached to Mark's family tried to kill me on the river. It tried to drown me. Oh my god. Catherine, that's impossible. They're all in Las Vegas, Joey. You love their family. You're not making any sense. What happened? Joey, I should tell you that I spent two weeks on the river with the devil himself. I sold my soul to him. Keep in mind, Joey has always been a happy person and so polite, never having an issue with Mark, and there was no bad blood after the divorce. Catherine, what do you mean? You're scaring me. Joey, the devil told me Mark's family is evil and I need to stop them and I will. Catherine, holy crap. (laughs) Catherine walks out of the room and begins to panic and cry. She calls Mark and tells him the update and that she is scared for him and my family and what this new version of Joey might do to potentially fulfill this idea. When transported back to Las Vegas, Joey unfortunately passed away one week later in the hospital. Not much was said by him after that encounter with Catherine and he never gained his sanity back. His body eventually failed on him as well as it stopped responding to treatment altogether. After hearing this news, my initial feeling was sadness and paranoia, especially with how sensitive I am to the paranormal. I was very unsettled. The spirits that have followed me around had not felt aggressive up until that point, but all of a sudden I had to wonder 
if whatever it was was something more negative, that whatever was attached to my family was related to the devil on the river. I get an uneasy feeling every now and then, but nothing substantially haunting has happened after that. I just can't seem to shake the thoughts out of my head every now and then of what Joey experienced and why my family was brought up so randomly. Why would Joey ever think of my family as he was on his last days, and why were we brought up as a negative thought, when we have always gotten along with him and shared great memories? What could have been filling his head with sinister thoughts towards his family? I guess we'll never know, and until then, I will keep saging my home so I hopefully don't ever have to find out. Yeah, I have a one million thoughts running through my head. I know, because when you're two weeks of nearly just living, I mean, he, he two weeks without sustenance on a river after possibly attempting to take his own life the body starts shutting down and you start becoming delusional yeah exactly but at the same time if we take the stance that that didn't happen and we just try to dissect what could have possibly happened between his or in his conversation with the devil it makes me wonder if it was just solely like mark's family was just completely targeted at random because it's like oh we're going to target family members and someone who's not your immediate family member, maybe it's easier to make you detach and go a little darker if it's someone who's not like immediate blood. Right. Or or do you think there was someone in Mark's family who maybe, I'm thinking two things, maybe someone like did a little something with dark magic and somehow Mm -hmm. got involved with something and became a target or the opposite. What if someone was so filled with like love and light and protection that the devil found them as being a threat so was trying to to make joey go after them i also wonder i mean we've talked a lot about how when you're on the verge of death on the cusp of death how they are different spirits and and kind of powerful beings that come down to you and maybe if the devil was like i can take this soul like this soul can be mine so joey's floating along the river and the devil comes and visits him and is like I'll keep you alive if you sell your soul to me. And when you do, I need you to do this. And like, it is a horrible thing to his family or what be it. And was it even Joey at that point? You know, Uh, it's just also sad. It's heartbreaking. It is. Okay. What do you have? Okay. This is from Teresa. Hey, Sabrina and Corinne. I just started listening to the podcast and I'm a huge fan. I'm listening from the beginning right now and I'm not caught up, but I like it that way and have so much to listen to. Mm. My name is Teresa and I'm a nurse from Michigan. Recently engaged, I've been spending my time planning a wedding, doing pure bar, taking care of our puppy and looking to find a new job. Lots of stuff. So many things and all great things. Mm -hmm. Taking care of herself. I have a few stories and they're not as crazy as the ones that get picked for the show, but I always wanted to write you guys. Oh, look at us here. Mm -hmm. The weirdest thing about podcasts is it's like I have these two really good girlfriends that I never talk back to. So this email is a bit therapeutic, if anything. Oh, that's so cute. Anyway, here it goes. My first story is about a shadow figure. However, I feel as as if mine isn't a typical shadow figure story. When I was in high school, I was not in a good relationship. My first one, of course, and I'm someone who has a hard time breaking up with someone, so I stayed way too long. Anyways, one school night, I was sleeping away when I suddenly woke up and next to my bed stood a figure of a man, oh. ordinary height with a fedora-type hat on. Hat man. Hat man. I looked at him and I felt a sense of calm. I wasn't terrified and I fell back asleep despite him not leaving. Now, I didn't think much of it until I met my boyfriend in the hall before class that morning. He looked rough. He had a few bad habits, so looking rough wasn't so unusual for him. However, he began to talk about having a realistic and terrifying dream the night before. He described the exact shape of a man that I saw, 
but he said he felt threatened and scared. And the man was entering his room and talked at him. He said that just as the man was about to reach him, he vanished, but left him feeling scared and he didn't sleep the rest of the night. I never said I experienced the same thing, but the fact that these experiences were so similar, but the feelings were so different always nagged at me and it didn't sit well. Once we broke up from him sleeping with a friend of mine, broke up with a friend as well, no worries ladies. (laughs) Glad. Yes. Glad to hear it. I was almost immediately brought back to this visit we each had in the same night. I know shadow figures are supposed to be evil or unsettling, but I just feel like someone was trying to tell me something that night or to offer me protection or maybe offer me support that I didn't realize that I needed. If you have any thoughts, let me know. Wow. Another encounter I had is at a famously haunted spot in Detroit. In downtown Detroit stands a restaurant the Whitney. It is an old house from the late 1800s and it's been restored back to its original state and is now a high-end restaurant and bar. We love that. Mm-hmm. Rarely do I get to eat at them, but love it. <laughs> it was built by the Whitney fam- family, Lumber Barons, and has been everything from a private home to a tuberculosis hospital and hospice. You should totally h- hold a live show there. Oh my god. Uh, She's about to tell us something scary and then ask us to go there. <laughs> <laughs> If you do, please let me know. Anyway, one day, my best friend and I had a drink in their ghost bar. The top floor has a bar that had a badass happy hour and lots of spirit activity. The bartender shared a photo they caught one night that shows a ghostly gathering at a seemingly empty table. No way. If you ever make your way there, make sure to ask the staff about experiences that they've had. They're the best stories. Meanwhile, during our visit, the elevator was being ridden by someone unseen. Every so often, from behind you, you'd hear the door ding. The door slide open, and no one step off. It was one of the most common ghostly encounters there. Someone or something rides the elevator, and no one messes with the buttons. Mm. We were even there when no other guests were in the home because we walked in without realizing that they weren't open yet, but they still served us. Did I mention that this place is awesome? (laughs) Anyway, I'm a huge paranormal lover, so I made my friend come back with me to do their Halloween dinner complete with a seance at midnight. No way. (laughs) We're doing a bar crawl of haunted Detroit bars for my bachelorette party or going to Salem if I can pull that off. You're invited. (laughs) Uh, That's an amazing bachelorette party. (laughs) We got a six-course dinner with wine and cocktail pairings, a ghost tour of the home, an investigation in the carriage house with a local ghost hunting group that hasn't been touched since it was acquired. In here, we got EVPs and video evidence of the resident ghost in there. There's a story of a tea set from the Whitney's daughter that no matter what you do with, it is always put back in the same place. So out of respect, it had been sitting in the same place since the girl had died. In fact, when it was a hospital, some nurses tried to move the tea set and to their dismay, the next day, the entire room was torn apart and the tea set set exactly in its place. Oh my gosh. We saw that tea set and most of the activity surrounds it. During the seance, the medium didn't contact past residents, but she ended up reading my friend. Her grandfather came through and told her to tell her uncle to look in the book he'd left him. And when her uncle looked at it, it contained signatures of the Beatles. No way. Oh my god. I mean, that's amazing. That's the one thing he's concerned about is that he got some really cool artifact and then it's going to go unnoticed. And also, that's probably... Make sure you tell your uncle to look at, the, look at the book. That's probably worth a lot of money, too. Worth a ton of money, I'm sure. It was the coolest experience, and there were and there was a lot more to it. 
and I can't wait to go back in Halloween again. You could do the Whitney for one of your episodes for sure. Well, shit, now we need to do yeah. that. Like I said, I haven't listened to every episode, so I'm not sure if you've covered it yet. But finally, as a nurse, I don't have any major stories. I work midnights in the NICU and always see stuff out of the corner of my eye. I imagine if any spirits wants to go anywhere, they'd come see the babies. Oh. Once, myself and another nurse were sitting back at a desk, and all of a sudden, all the lights in the patient's room turned on. Mm -hmm. It was spooky, and the other nurse didn't want to talk about it. I went into the room, and I shut the lights off and just said out loud, Please don't wake the babies. They are trying to heal. Oh. <laughs> so cute. Mm -hmm. Oh, she, and then she said, "Please come to D the Detroit area soon. In October would be great." Thanks for the podcast. See you on the other side, Teresa. Okay, well, I definitely want to go. Also, the fact that they did like a sixth course meal paired with cocktails. I know, and then tell you ghost stories. I'm sorry, is this our dream location or what? Yes, I want to go so badly. Feed me, give me beverages, and give me spooks and stories. Yeah. Okay, so the, her first story with the her and her boyfriend seeing shadow people and her having a completely different feeling. I think her theory is pretty spot on. Me too. And also, if it was the hat man, it does make me wonder if somehow the hat man has an attachment to her and her family. You know how sometimes they say the hat man is like passed down. It's like a familial line of people mm -hmm. who experience the hat man. And it's also like a symbol of bad omens, like something bad's going to happen. Yeah. So it's like a warning. Or it could have also been like a guardian type of protective spirit that just doesn't have the ability to fully appear. Right. And so it, or didn't want to in fear that it would really spook yeah. Teresa and her now ex-boyfriend. Right. So fascinating. Dang. I really want to go to the Whitney. So I want to go to the Whitney too. I can't get over it. That tea, the tea set is so funny. Like they are just so particular about where it is. I know. I mean, it was a hospital. They were trying to move the tea set to probably make room <laughs> for babies and patients that obviously needed tending to. But that little girl who owned the tea set was like, nope. Sorry. Gotta be there. This is where it lives. Mm -hmm. This is where the tea set goes. I wonder if they've ever put like video footage on the tea set to see if it ever moves <gasps> just slightly. That would be really cool. Obviously, the little girl is attached to the tea set. So that's a haunted artifact, I believe. Mm -hmm. I do too. I'm on the same page as you. Perfect. You must never disagree with me. Okay, as long as you don't disagree that we're going to go to the Whitney one day. Okay. I actually, in the beginning, I was like, no. Because I didn't know what it was about, but now I'm into it. Okay, cool. I need to find a place like that for my like for birth my birthday or something. Yeah, you should. There's a million places in LA you could go. Yeah, and if you get engaged in the near future and you start planning your bachelorette party, you can do what Teresa is doing. Really <laughs> Choose mm -hmm. a haunted bachelorette party. Ugh, so cool. So cool. Well, speaking of traveling, guys, we have live shows, and you should come. We're going to Nashville on June 16th, and we're playing at the Zanies Comedy Club at playing, as if we're a band. We are doing a live show. We're talking, telling ghost stories, and it's at 5 p.m. on Sunday. It would mean the world to us if you came and supported us, and then we have a live show in New York on July 14th mm -hmm. at Gotham Comedy Club. They're both Sunday shows. Mm -hmm. Please come. So we, we hope to see you there. Yeah, my whole family's coming to the New York show. Yeah, it gets me all of Sabrina's relatives, all the haunted ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The real and the non-haunted haunted ones. ones. Oh, also, my mom's actually coming to our Nashville show, and her and her friend bought VIP tickets. <laughs> I love it. So they're going to be in the meet and greet? Yep, they're going to be at the meet and greet. <laughs> I was like, you know you've met us, right? <laughs> they don't care. They want the experience. It's fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're looking for tickets, there's a link to the tickets in our Instagram bio. And then again, it is on our website. If you go to the live shows tab, you can find it all there. Yes. And also support us in uh, all the other various ways. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And you can support us wearing merch um, or on Patreon. And we have social media. And tell everybody. Word Mm -hmm. of mouth. That helps. And we will see you you on on the other side. Very spooky.